0: Okay, so as you know, we are going through um, the Minor Prophets um, series, and I have got the Prophet Joel, and I, I love this prophecy. I'm very excited about it. Um, my only thing is, I, I'm, it's, a, it's a lot of information to try and pack into the 20 minutes that I've been allotted, so let's see what we can do this morning. Right, So God help me to articulate well. Um, Joel, there is very little known about him as a person. Um, All we know for sure is that his dad was called Pethuel. That's all. And his dad's name means persuaded by God. So so that's all we absolutely know about him as a person. Um, There are a few things in the prophecy that some scholars think, might mean that he lived near Zion, uh, lived near Jerusalem. And sometimes he describes quite intimately the inside of the temple. Um, So some scholars think, well, he was possibly a priest as well as a prophet. But all we know is his name was Joel. He was a prophet and his dad was called Pethuel. Um, The timing of Joel, again, is a little bit sort of, Uh, out there really there are numerous different versions or or opinions by different scholars um, because there's nothing specific in the prophecy that places him in a particular time zone exactly so um, but so again there's some things that sort of make some believe that it is in certain times so for example. Um, there's no mention of the Northern Kingdom of Israel, so it's probable that it was, he was around after they were conquered by the Syrians. Um, although some scholars believe that he was around the same time as Isaiah. Um, there's no mention of Babylon, so it's probably before the captivity of Babylon. And there's no mention of idolatry, so some scholars believe that it, that puts places him probably in the time frame of king joash who destroyed idolatry for a while. He was a good king and, and he had the people f- focusing on god. so that's eight hundred and seventy eight bc eight hundred and thirty nine to thirty nine bc and then there are some that say, oh, no, 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 it was way after that. It was back, way back, back after they came back from Babylon. So, you know, and that would place him around 535 to 456 BC. So, basically, we don't know when he was. Um, <laughs> jury's out. <laughs> but it's interesting to sort of, like, look at the different people's ideas as to, you know, why they think he was born when he was. But anyway the book of Joel, regardless of when he wrote it, it is power-packed with the most amazing message and, and so exciting. And it covers the past, the present, and the future. So, so it's, it's... And the fact that, you know, like, two-thirds of the prophecy... Well, a third has happened, a third is happening, and, and there's still some to come. It's really quite exciting. So I'm going to try and sort of give you a whistle-stop Tour of this amazing book. So in chapters one um, is talking about the, the past, our past, the past. And it, de- it is describing um, what he does is he uses an analogy of locusts and he describes how the locusts come in massive swarms and they, they swarm across the plantations and they leave absolute devastation behind. And he was describing what was going to happen to the prophet, to the nation of Judah, that something really, really terrible is going to happen. And it's going to be like this horrendous swarm of locusts. They're going to come. They're going to devastate you. So that's in chapter one. And I, a lot of scholars believe, and I I kind of lean towards this as well, that that was actually talking about the captivity of Babylon. Um, It doesn't mention the word Babylon, but it, it... we, I think it was talking about that in chapter two. Chapters two one to eleven is is really quite a powerful description of the armies of heaven. I'm going to actually read it because when I read it, it got goosebumpy. Have you ever read something and gone, "Whoa!" This is this is how. Joel, the vision that he had of the armies of heaven. And I'm going to read it because I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So 2 verse 1 to 11 says "They Sound the trumpet in Jerusalem. Raise the alarm on my holy mountain that everyone tremble in fear because the day of the Lord is upon us. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a, thick, a day of thick cloud and deep blackness. Suddenly, like the dawn, bear with me one second. Suddenly, like the dawn spreading across the mountains, a great and mighty army appears. Nothing like it has been seen before or ever will be seen again. Fire burns in front of them and flames fall after them. Ahead of them, the land lies as beautiful as the Garden of Eden. Behind them is nothing but desolation. No one escapes. Look, they look like horses. They charge forward like the war horses, look at them as they leap across the mountain tops. listen to the noise they make, they rumble and chariots like the roar of the fire sweeping across the fields of stubble, like a mighty army moving in battle. Fear grips the people, every face grows pale with terror, the attack marked Attackers march like warriors and scale the cities like soldiers. Straightforward they march, never breaking rank. They never jostle each other. Each moves exactly in the right position. They break through darkness without missing a step. Sorry, defences like without missing a step. They swarm over the cities and run along the walls. They enter all the houses climbing like thieves through the windows. The earth quakes as they advance and the heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars no longer shine. The Lord is the head of the column. He leads them with a shout. With his mighty arm, they follow his orders. The day of the Lord is an awesome and terrible thing. Who can possibly survive? Sounds a bit grim. Don't panic. There is, there is hope. Okay, um, And John, in Revelation, Um, chapter 19 so you know jump forward several hundred years you've got John he has a vision of heaven and this is what he describes um, and and it's connected to what Joel has just described as the army of heaven he says this in uh, chapter 19 verse 11 to 16 then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there its riders was named faithful and true For he judges fairly and wages a war of righteousness. His eyes are like flames of fire and his head were, were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in finest pure white linen followed him on white horses from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release his fear, the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe and his thigh was written the title, King of Israel kings and lord of lords that's that's our lord <laughs> jesus christ our lord king of kings and lord of lords he is riding at the head ahead of the army of heaven in joel chapter 2 and um, we see that there is a call to repentance. This is why I said don't panic, okay? You know, like, we just think, oh, my word, this, this army is, the day of the Lord is approaching what's going to happen. There is a call to repentance, but it's not just a, a repentance, like, sort of, because what they used to do is, if they were a bit sorry for something, they'd rip their clothes and they'd put sackcloth, sackcloth on. And, but but Joel's saying, don't just rend your clothes. It's your heart. <laughs> that matters, it's what comes from the heart that really matters. So true repentance. So Joel has described this horrendous devastation. He's described the army of heaven. And he's made reference to the day of the Lord. But there is hope for those who repent. And in in chapter 2, verses 18 to 27, Joel talks about a time of restoration. God is going to bring an opportunity for complete restoration for anyone who calls upon him. And the good news is that that restoration has already begun. Because what happened was, although Joel doesn't, in, in his prophetic word, doesn't specifically mention the Messiah, he does talk about God bringing restoration to those who call on his name. And we know, as we put, when we put Joel the book in context with the rest of the Bible, that amazing Advent Um, In history, that amazing thing happened that Jesus Christ, the head of the heaven's army, came to this earth, chose to come as a baby, but he had the backing of heaven. And the Messiah came and he brought the opportunity for complete and total restoration for anyone who calls on his name. You see, Jesus wasn't just a baby. He wasn't just a lad and grow up and just to be an ordinary man. He was the son of God. He was the king of kings, the head of heaven's army, and he chose to come. He chose to live as one of us. He chose to die on the cross for our sin, for the things that we've done wrong. He chose to do that. He didn't just lay dead in those two days that he was in the tomb. He descended, Paul explains that he descended into hell and he got back the keys of death and hell and then on the third day he rose again and then he is seated, uh, ascended to heaven and is now seated on the, the right hand of his father, God Almighty, the head of Heaven's army has made the way for complete restoration for anyone, not just Israel, but anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. It's a, that's a whoa, isn't it? That's a goosebumpy exp- thought to think about. It okay? So the, with the restoration at hand. Joel then goes on to say this in chapter 2, verse 28 to 32, he says this. Then, after doing those things, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants men and women alike i will cause wonders in the heavens and on earth blood and fire and columns of smoke the sun will be dark the moon will turn to red blood before the great and terrible day the lord arrives but whoever or everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved Some from Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. This is our present day situation. This is where the prophecy goes from the past to the present, because this is where we're at. And the reason I know that that is where we're at is because Peter uses this passage of the prophecy to explain to the people on the day of Pentecost what was going on okay so in acts chapter 2 verse 14 to 21 so what had happened was jesus had gone back to heaven and the disciples and, and and the the people that were with them it came to about 125 folk they were together they were praying they were worshiping and all of a sudden. God decided at that point descended with his spirit and he poured his spirit out on the people. They were all filled with him and they began to speak in heavenly languages. They began to get, I imagine, really excited and, and, and just began to, whatever. Their bodies were, I guess, struggling to handle it because by the time they came out into the streets, the people thought they were all drunk. But they were just overwhelmed by the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter gets up and he's, he says, So Peter stepped forward with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. no. This is what was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. That's where we're at. That's where we're at right now in that particular part of the prophecy. And then I think here comes the future. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above. Signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to red blood. Before that great and glorious day, the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved excellent it's excellent that's where we're at okay and then am i running out of time sorry i'm I'm going i'm coming i'm coming to an end in a bit um so so that's where joel is at and then in chapter three joel sorts then talks about the future what is going to happen on the day of the lord because he's made reference to it a few times through the prophecy um and and again peter peter quotes him on the day of the Lord. Well, what's he talking about? In chapter three, Joel, uh, Joel talks about the fact that there's two two people groups, as it were, two camps. There's, there's the nations, and then there's what he calls Zion. And you think, what? <laughs> who? What is Zion? What is Zion? Zion um, actually refers to refers to Israel, but it also refers to those who believe. So it's to the church, okay, those who believe in Jesus Christ. So Zion and the nations, okay, there's two people groups. That's all. There's not a third or a fourth. There's two, according to Joel. There's just two. There's those who believe in Jesus Christ, and then there's those that are not. And Joel, in chapters two, um in verse, uh, sorry, three, verse two, he talks about the valley of Jehoshaphat, which is actually the Valley of Kidron, which is the valley, a valley between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. And, and Joel's saying everyone's in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. And, and you think, what is he talking about? Um, but I think he's talking and using this as an allegory again, like he did with the locusts. He's talking about the fact that everyone is in this Valley of Decision everyone has a decision to make and it's simple what will you do with jesus that's the question that everyone on the entire planet has according to joel according to the bible he places everyone into two camps zion on the rest of the world and we know i mean I know he doesn't actually say it in, he doesn't talk about Jesus in Joel specifically but put him in context with the rest of the book he's talking about Jesus Jesus said father loved the world so much he sent the son talking about himself that that whoever believes in him will not ha- perish but have eternal life and he went on to say that that those who believe in him are no longer condemned but those who don't believe stand in that place of judgment that that's what jesus said in john chapter 3 verse 16 17 and 18 so what will we do with jesus because the answer to that question will determine which camp you're in and the answer to that question will determine what will happen on the day of judgment and jobs joel is very specific and we haven't got time to read but i suggest you you have a little read of it um there's there's destruction and there's judgment awaiting for those for the sins of the sins you know sin has to be the consequences of sin but if you're in christ that is washed away and so in Joel talks about complete restoration. So which camp are you in? This morning. Now I'm assuming the majority of people in here have said yes, Jesus, I I choose to believe you, I, I believe. So therefore we're in Zion. If not, today is a good day to say, Jesus, I want to put my trust in you today. I want to come into that group of Zion. I want to come into that category. So that when you come back, you see, Revelation does talk about this king on the white horse coming to bring the day of the Lord. Joel talked about it. I've read about it. Jesus is coming back. He's returning one day. He's going to come. And there is going to be a day of reckoning which camp do you, are you in let's choose jesus today and the other so there's two takes from joel this morning that's the first one just you know choose jesus if you haven't done already take number one second take what are we doing regarding that outpouring of his holy spirit where do we stand on that how much because because it just says i will pour he's it's an endless pour. Paul says, you know, be being filled. It's it's, 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 let's be filled with Holy Spirit. Because the more we are filled with him, the more his kingdom comes, the more his kingdom activity happens, the more it will be obvious to the people out there that Jesus Christ is real, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and, and they will be drawn to him as we lift him up, okay so so that's the second take let's let's just say to Holy Spirit, we want to be poured upon continuously this morning. we want you to pour out your spirit upon us so that we are filled with you so that your words flow out of our mouth, that we may prophesy your words that we may know your word both both the word of god the bible and also the prophetic word that flows and um, when holy spirit flows through us when he pours upon us so so let's pray and um if you would like prayer um for hope, you know just more of the holy spirit we're going to have opportunity for that this morning if you would like that we're going to come here and there's um some people gonna did you speak to the guys no, no. We, oh. we could... It's fine. I'll, I'll lead it okay, so so Steve's going to, yeah, you're going to lead us. Okay, so I'm just going to pray. And then if Joe, if you want to just come and start worshipping, um, and then we'll just have a time where we can just pray. Because, you know, my heart is that we are so filled with Holy Spirit. It, you know, Joel prophesied it. Peter used it as an explanation as to what Holy Spirit wants to do let's enjoy him today let's receive him today so father I thank you thank you for the prophet joel thank you for the words of joel i thank you for the fact that that you are already bringing the prophecy of joel to pass and that we're in the middle of this prophecy I thank you that we get to be part of this prophecy. We get to be part of the group of people who choose Jesus. We get to be part of a group of people who receive your Holy Spirit. And today, we welcome you to come and fill us more because we want more of you. We want to be filled up with you. We want to prophesy. We want to speak your words. We want to use your gifts. Um, within the church and without, there in the community so that people know that you are alive because we want them to come into the camp that Joel described as the camp of Zion in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.